Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. It's not the outward, it's the inward. Jesus took it out of the realm of just the outside and they said, you have to change on the inside. And see, God can make a heart pure. God can transform a life. We have testimonies of men and women who were in deep sin, but because Jesus came in their life and transformed their life, they're new people on the inside. They look at life differently. They see things differently because of God's grace. Salvation is perplexing. While from the outside, it seems like nothing more than confessing sins and accepting grace, basically just words. There's also a change that starts to happen on the inside. In today's message, Pastor Ed will remind us of the heart transformation that begins when we accept God's gift of salvation and continues to mold us into different people from the inside out. It's a continual process, but one that is completely worth the effort. Now, here's Pastor Ed in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 3, with part one of his message entitled, The Pure in Heart. Matthew, chapter 5, beginning to read with verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they, they alone, will see God. God is found only on his terms. Scientists today have the largest telescopes that they've ever had. And they've scanned the universe. And some have said, we haven't found God. The two Russian cosmonauts went off into space. And they said in a condescending way, we haven't seen God. Well, if they stepped out, they would have. There was a young man. There was a young man in a Bible study. And in this Bible study, they were encouraging everybody to express their fears, their doubts, their thoughts. And this young man wasn't a believer. And very seriously and honestly, he said, I don't believe in God. I remember once I went out into the woods and to a area where it was sort of a sandy patch, and I sat down, and I said to God, God, if you're real, burn up that pine tree over there for me. He said, I sat, and I waited, and nothing happened. So I don't believe in God. As if he were to condescend to believe in God if God would just perform a few tricks for him. God has set the parameters the conditions on seeing him. And he said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they, and in the Greek language, they alone will see God. How does a heart become pure? God has to create a pure heart. The condition of our heart determines the clarity of our vision. 
The condition of your heart and of my heart determines the clarity of our vision, what we see. And it's God that has to create in us a pure heart. And in 5.8 it reads, Blessed are the pure in heart. The people of Jesus' day, the religious leaders, were so encumbered with the outward that they forgot the inward. They were so involved with the outward performance of religion, they forgot the inward significance. When Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. See, they were concerned with the outward appearance of things. In Matthew 23, Jesus said these Really, words of rebuke to them. Woe to you, you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Outward religion is not enough to satisfy the heart of God. The Bible speaks about the heart being transformed. And what does it mean when it tells us about the heart of man? Well, it means the core of man's being. It's the totality of who he is, his emotions, and his will. In the Old Testament, God promised us a medical miracle a heart transplant. He said, I'll put a new heart in you. God promises us the formation of a pure heart. In Ezekiel chapter 36, it reads, I will give you a new heart, and I will put in you a new spirit. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. The religious leaders in the time of Jesus Reduce the Old Testament, its law, to legalistic formulas of right and wrong, do and don't do. And that's all it became to them. It was a religion of externals. Externals can never change your heart. It takes a miracle from God. It takes a new birth. You can go to church all your life. You could read the Bible. You can give, you can attend and pray, but none of those things make you a Christian. It takes a supernatural miracle from God when a person confesses their sins and comes to Christ and acknowledges their need of him. That's where the first beatitude starts off. Blessed are the poor in spirit. They recognize their need of God. When you recognize that you're heaven's charity case, when you recognize that you need to depend on heaven's welfare system and you have to receive grace, and grace is your only way of acceptance to God, then you're on the right path. And then you begin to mourn over your sins. That's repentance. And God does a work of grace inside of us so that we become meek. We're 
under his control and we begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness and we recognize everything we have is only a gift from God and so then we become merciful to others because if everything we have is by his gracious hand, how can we look down on anyone else? See, the religious leaders got caught up with the outward and so they became legalistic, judgmental. But when we're caught up in the inward, we become merciful because we know our own hearts and we know that it's grace and grace alone and God's mercy. And so we mirror that to others. Man-made religion is always a religion of human achievement. And that's just like the world. Back in the 1840s, a philosophy was developed that if you change man's circumstances, you can change a man. In other words, if change his economics, change his environment, educate him. I remember years ago looking at National Geographic, and they had a picture of a monkey. And this monkey was dressed up in a tuxedo. And it, it could do remarkable things. It could push all sorts of buttons and certain things would happen and uh, pull certain gears and gizmos and it could do incredible things that you would think only a human can do. But even though they dress it up in a tuxedo, a monkey is still a monkey. It's not a human. Only God can change a sinner into a saint. Only God can get into the heart of a man, the heart of a woman, and transform them. I remember when I grew up in Brooklyn, I would pick people up for church. And I happened to be going to Coney Island, and they were renovating some areas, and they were building some beautiful high-rises. And they built this beautiful building. I remember admiring it. Six months after they completed it, it was covered with graffiti. I went into the hallway to pick someone up because the elevator wasn't working. And the hallway and the stairwell smelled of urine and smoke. You can change a man's environment, but unless you change his heart, it doesn't matter. Years ago, there was a mother who was lost her child, her only daughter. And she grieved this child, and she had a, a picture of this child that she particularly liked. But somehow the picture began to fade, so she touched it up, and she put it in the drawer. And she noticed when she took it out the next day, it had all sorts of blotches and stains in it, so she touched it up again. And then she took it out a couple of days later, and the same thing happened. See, the problem was in the material that the picture was printed on. And the problem with you and me is our hearts. And it's only when God gives us a new heart that we can have a pure heart. It's only when he transforms us. See, Jesus wasn't just concerned about the outward. He described to the disciples what Moses meant when he gave us the Ten Commandments. He said, you say thou shalt not murder. I tell you what it means. If you're angry with your brother... For an unjust cause. Well, we're satisfied that we have not committed adultery. Jesus said adultery begins in the heart. If you lust after a woman, you've committed adultery already. 
See, it's not the outward, it's the inward. Jesus took it out of the realm of just the outside and they said, you have to change on the inside. And see, God can make a heart pure. God can transform a life. We have testimonies of men and women who were in deep sin, but because Jesus came in their life and transformed their life, they're new people on the inside. They look at life differently. They see things differently because of God's grace. Now, God gives us a brand new heart. That's his promise. I want to tell you about a person who's caused me difficulty. I don't gossip about them, but let me tell you. They attended the Wilmington Assembly of God Church. They opposed me, gave me all sorts of problems. You know, I wanted to do this and they wanted to do that. I suggested this and they suggested that. When I moved here to Poughkeepsie, I was so glad. (laughs) But to my dismay... They attend faith assembly here. We've met the enemy and it's ourselves. Isn't that true? Aren't we our own worst enemy? Well, that's why we need the grace of God. That's why we need God doing the work on the inside in our lives. See, God is interested in changing us at the core of our being. That's what it means to Be pure in heart. That's the control center of your life. God wants to be at the control center of your life. Take your hands off of everything and let him put his hands on it and he'll make it right. I think of the words of God to Samuel as he whispered in his ears. Do not consider his appearance or his height. For I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things as man look at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. God is not satisfied that you come and you give and you serve and you work. Those things are good, but he looks at the heart. Why do we do what we do? Not only is there the formation of a pure heart, But there is also the preservation of a pure heart. It's something that you have to keep on working at. You know, I go into my backyard and weeds automatically grow. If I did nothing with my lawn, it'd be an absolute mess. If you do nothing with your life, be guaranteed that all sorts of things that you don't want will grow up. Because that's the nature of this soil. That's the nature of this human heart. And we need constantly to be under God's control and God's grace and power. Preservation. In James 4, 8, it reads, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. God is telling us, work on your heart. Work on your relationship. Don't be satisfied with merely outward observance of things. How do we do that? Well, a number of ways. The Word of God is so important. In Hebrews, it says the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirits, the joints and the marrow. 
It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. See, we may be set in our ways. We may think, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go. But then all of a sudden you read the word and God confronts you with the word and says, your heart is wrong. Your attitudes are wrong. Sometimes we want to live our Christian life by what others are doing. But to a spiritual Christian, he lives his life according to the rule of God's word. He is governed by God's revelation. And so we're not looking at society. We're not looking at what others are doing. We're looking at God, what he said in his word. And so the word has a way of refining us, the blood of Jesus Christ. See, the word drives us to our knees so that we confess our sins and thank God for the precious blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sins. How would you like to be sitting next to someone this morning that hadn't taken a bath or shower in a couple of months? You wouldn't be sitting there. Greater than the human stench of neglecting our physical bodies is to neglect our soul. We need to be washed daily in the blood of Jesus. When we come on a daily basis and we keep a short account with God and we confess our sins and we confess our wrongs to him. The spirit of the Lord. The Bible tells us if we live by the spirit will not gratify the desires of our sinful nature. See, be filled with the spirit. You who have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, pray in tongues. Live a life in the spirit. If you live with the mind of the spirit, Romans tells us that we're not going to be doing the works of the flesh. I like this one, the day of the Lord. In 1 John 3, 3, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. I'm living, I'm working, I'm doing what I do because one day I'm going to stand before Almighty God. And one day, when I stand in His presence, I'm going to have to give an account. And so the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back to this world, the fact that He's going to return, causes me to want to be ready for His return. See, we're doing what we do, not because we want the reward from men, but we want the approval of God, and we recognize that one day he's going to come back, and he's going to come back with his reward with him. In Proverbs, the word says, my son, give me thine hearts. When we give our hearts to God, what are the characteristics of a pure heart? My second point, the characteristics of a pure heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. That word pure, it basically means, has two meanings basically. It means unmixed and it also means clean. When it says unmixed, it's referring to uh, water that's pure water or gold that's pure gold or wheat that had been winnowed. It's referring to unmixed feelings. 100% proof if I could use that expression see God tells us in his word to have a pure heart is to have a heart that's not mixed it's not here and there somewhere else the psalmist prayed this passage when he prayed teach me your way O Lord I will walk in your truth unite my heart to fear your name 
Unite my heart to fear your name. The basic idea is that there's integrity on the inside. That we don't have, as it were, mixed motives. So many times in what we do, there's mixed motives. We do something, maybe we do a kind act for somebody, or we help someone, or we do something, and maybe we've had more than one motive in doing it. We always hold out the better motive, and we hide the lower motive. When we say, unite my heart to fear your name, Lord, what we are praying is that our motives would be pure for God and God alone. That we would live a life for his honor and for his glory. Uh, Sometimes, and it could be expressed this way as well, we come to God and say, God, put all the pieces of my life back together again. You know, we've somehow messed up in some area. And so we say, God, put all the pieces back. And I think God responds to us, well, if you'll give me all the pieces. Don't hold back some particular area from God and expect him to put you back together again. But give him every aspect of your life. Give him your whole life and he can put you back together again. Well, they, remember the nursery rhyme about Humpty Dumpty? He fell off the wall and all the king's horses. How's it go? There they, all the king's men, they couldn't put it back together. It's been a long time since I've been in nursery school. <laughs> Thank God. God can put you back together again. But you have to give him the pieces. It's speaking about something else. When he says pure in heart, It also means to be single-minded. It means to be single-minded. Paul said, this one thing I do. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. There has to be this single-mindedness about us. There was an article in the San Diego Union. And the columnist wrote about an incident that happened in the United States Senate about 140 years ago. It was a discussion on the Senate floor about prohibition. And there was one senator who challenged his colleague on where he stood. And I want to read to you what was said in this column and what was reported in this Senate discussion. This colleague who stood up said this, you asked me how I feel about whiskey. Well, Here's how I stand on the question. If when you say whiskey, you mean the devil's brew, the poison spirit, the bloody monster that defiles innocence, destroys the home, creates misery and poverty, yes, literally takes bread from the mouths of little children, if you mean the evil drink that topples the Christian man from the pinnacle of righteousness and gracious living, and causing him to descend to the pit of degradation, despair, shame, and helplessness, then I am certainly against it with all my heart. But if, when you say whiskey, you mean the oil of conversation, the philosophic wine, the ale consumed when good fellows get together, that puts a song in their hearts and laughter on their lips, the warm glow of contentment in their eyes, if you mean Christmas cheer, if you mean the stimulating drink that puts the spring in an old man's footsteps on a frosty morning, if you mean the drink 
whose sale puts, I am told, millions of dollars into our treasury, which are used to provide tender care for our little crippled children, blind, deaf, and dumb, are pitifully aged, are infirm, to build highways and hospitals and schools that I'm certainly in favor of. This is my stand and I will not compromise. Well, that's all the time we have for today's edition of Voice of Faith with Pastor Ed Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. There's more to come from the Gospel of Matthew and Pastor Ed's in-depth study of the Beatitudes. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and select Today's Date from the Voice of Faith media player. Again, that's voiceoffaithradio.com. Maybe today's message brought a family member or friend to mind. You can share today's message via Facebook and Twitter by simply logging on to voiceoffaithradio.com and clicking on today's date. There you'll find all the options to share. We'd also like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for Worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Edward Jones. We invite you to join Pastor Ed as he continues teaching through the Beatitudes right here on Voice of Faith.